Let me ask you something. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? That would probably creep you out. Well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider stores logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. Worse yet, the government can obtain your data via bulk FISA order, even if you're not personally suspected of any crime. That's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash mullen right now and find out how you can get three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash mullen. Protect your data and get three months for free today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen talks freedom. Hello, everyone. A quick note on today's episode. Uh, as you know, the podcast was down for several months while I um, was knee deep in starting a new business. And uh, I'm a little rusty. And sometimes you make mistakes, like not plugging in your microphone. Uh, before you start recording your episode. Now, I'm recording this little note to you with um, my microphone plugged into the computer, but not having it plugged in for the actual episode, uh, it, it, it recorded through the computer's mic. So it's a little tinny, and I've done my best to clean up the sound. So I apologize for that. Uh, both weeks, this week and last week, I have uh, remembered to record, uh, have my microphone plugged in to the computer for Tom Mullen Talks Movies, but have not for Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. So again, I apologize for the audio quality. It will be uh, more like you're hearing right now uh, starting next week here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. So with that, here is our new episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Another week's gone by, and, and here we are with a new Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C., uh, Mike Johnson. We'll talk a little bit about him in a minute. And if you'll remember, uh, this whole drama with the Speaker started with Kevin McCarthy working with some Democrats and uh, getting an omnibus bill to the floor of the House for a vote, which eventually passed and allowed the government to continue for another so many days or months uh, until that, uh, that funding runs out. So the, the big to-do here, in a nutshell, was that the, the so-called hard right in the Republican House wants a return to separating spending into the 12 different uh, bills that, that represent the 12 different appropriations committees. So at one time, each appropriations committee would ask for their spending, and, uh, and there would be 12 separate votes. And in recent years, because of these, the supposed disagreements between Republicans and Democrats, uh, not so much on how much we're going to spend, but uh, on, on, on the margins, what uh, is going to be marginally uh, increased or decreased, 
Of course, nothing ever gets decreased. How, they, they have this assumption that spending should increase so much every year. And then, you know, if, if it's assumed that spending should increase 7% for a particular program and uh, somebody only wants to increase it 5%, that's called a cut. That's Washington, D.C.'s definition of a cut. But in any case, this was a key factor and a promise that uh, Mike Johnson have, had to give that he would make every attempt to um, get back to this idea of the 12 different spending bills. And this was given as a, a way, a pathway towards um, getting control of the runaway debt, not taking on more debt, uh, maybe even cutting the uh, debt over, over the coming years, or at least uh, decreasing the accumulation of more. So this was the idea. And uh, they tried to elect Jim Jordan, who probably was more committed to that idea, and they could not um, get the votes to get him elected speaker, and they settled on Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson uh, has you know, made some noises that people don't like about, uh, people of that ilk don't like about funding Ukraine, but he has so far held to the position that spending bills should be considered separately. And uh, the, the ironic twist, the gotcha in this, is that, of course, uh, he brought and the House passed a bill to fund um, aid to Israel, separate from, from aid to Ukraine. As this, this is some kind of uh, you know, move forward in the war on debt. Now, this bill would give $14 billion in aid to Israel, and I know that doesn't sound like much with the numbers that have been thrown around for uh, Ukraine over the past year or so. But I just want you to remember that $14 billion is about 20% of Russia's total annual military spending. Now, that may have gone up a little um, in, uh, in the last year with the war, but uh, I should say a year and a half. Where has the time gone? But, uh, yeah, Russia had traditionally spent around $75 billion per year on the military, while the U.S. was spending well over $700 billion for the years leading up to the Ukraine war. Uh, the House just passed a bill. The House, which is so concerned about the national debt, they just passed a bill for one-fifth of that to give away to another country. And, of course, none of these people would vote to cut uh, the, the base military budget of the United States, 90% of which is obviously a complete ripoff. Now, if Russia does not have to worry about us and can invade Ukraine with impunity from us on $75 billion a year, then there is no justification for, for eight heights. I guess it's over $900 billion now in military spending. But, of course, as soon as the, the Israel subject comes up, you have the, the problem I talked about in last week's podcast, which is not Jewish Americans. I can understand Jewish Americans wanting to, uh, to appropriate aid to Israel, especially if they're actually from there or if they have family there. Uh, that doesn't make it right. It's, it's kind of like the reason that they have vetting of juries, right? You, you want someone impartial to make these decisions. 
but I can understand that. Um, the, but the Jewish American, Jewish, Jews make up about 7 million people in, a, in the United States. They're not the problem. It is the tens of millions of lunatic Christians who believe that you know, aiding Israel is going to somehow help God bring about the end of the world, as described in uh, the book of Revelations, previously known as the Apocalypse in the Bible. Which, by the way, I didn't mention last week, the Jesus of the Apocalypse bears no resemblance to the Jesus of the Gospels, um, who, who told Peter to put you know, his sword back in his sheath when Peter was defending Jesus. Uh, and also said to turn the other cheek when someone attacks you. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't just say, don't defend your cheek. He said, don't defend your property or don't defend your liberty. Same passage. Go read it again. So I don't actually agree with that. <laughs> so, uh, but that's what he said. And I know that the apocalypse um, is describing the end of the world and Jesus is ultimately fighting Satan. But still, this warlike imagery you know, if you take it as symbolic, uh, that's one thing. And even then, again, I agree with Thomas Jefferson, uh, it, it does not have the coherence and, and, um, and genius of the gospel stories, which I also think are symbolic, but that's, another, that's a story for another day. But getting back to the subject, it's these people, and Mike Johnson is one of them, you know, he was elected by them, uh, this is a guy that believes that dinosaurs lived with humans, that the Earth's only 6,000 years old. And again, that, that those beliefs are completely his right to have and are completely harmless until they start dictating policy and get us into possibly a war that, that turns into a global conflict. Then, you know, we, we've got to say, well, those, those beliefs have become troublesome. And, uh, of course, you know, this bill came to the floor. So, you know, basically, Republicans have caved in completely on their, they've turned around completely in a day on um, their aversion to, to increases in spending and more debt because, as uh, libertarians sometimes jokingly say about the roads, more roads, it's more Israel. And, and this, this fixation, this automatic uh, trained response by tens of millions of people, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, uh, you know, it, it, it's why we can't have nice things, my friends. And, and just as, as their aversion to uh, spending has gone out the window, so is their aversion to war. And of course, we're going to hear all kinds of saber rattling against Iran and that, my friends, is the danger. You start any kind of, even supporting Israel and attacking Iran, and you've got Russia possibly coming in. And now you have China possibly backing Russia. Do the math. So I, I hope that at least this uh, puts some perspective for libertarians on how few allies we have as far as the principles we believe in. Basically, if you're talking about representation in Washington, we have Thomas Massey and Ron Paul, or Rand Paul, I'm sorry. Uh, that is the result of the Ron Paul revolution. And to be quite honest with you, um, 
it really is representative of the American electorate as far as how many people really believe in our principles. You know, sometimes we like to say these these hopeful things like everybody's a libertarian at heart, they just don't know it. You know, no, they're not. Um, and I think we're, we, we've been seeing that. We've seen that during the Trump uh, phenomenon, the Trump years, how many people rally to his anti-capitalist, mercantilist baloney, uh, how, many, how many people support that fully, how excited they were about that. Um, and, and now how many people are, are completely caving. You know, the, the anti-war right, it was back for, what was it, 18 months? We hardly knew you. <laughs> but anyway, so we have, you know, a, a basically a nation of lunatics. On the left side, they believe that um, uh, men can come, become women and vice versa by fiat, by their, not even by divine fiat, their own fiat. They could just say one day that they've decided they're, they're a different gender, and they are. And again, I support their right to do that. Uh, again, a completely harmless belief as long as you're not using force and violence to make other people participate with you. And I want to say, although it's not the subject of today's episode, something I haven't said about the whole pronoun thing, I don't think in writing, maybe I have on Twitter, but this whole pronoun thing, if you notice, it's, it's they, them, uh, you know, th this is what I want to be called because I don't, I don't believe he or, he or she um, fits me. And it's okay to not believe he or she fits you or to believe you're, or whatever. It, that's fine. But when you're saying they, them, you're not saying, this is how I want people to address me. This, you're saying, this is how I want you to talk to other people who are not me. Okay. So this is an extremely, uh, arrogant and, um, authoritarian position. You shall not talk to other people about me, and you'll you'll talk about me to other people the way I tell you to. And again, none of this has the force of law, at least not yet. So um, it's kind of just a cultural thing, but it really is a, a a sinister cultural thing. And of course, I I just refuse to use a plural pronoun to describe a singular person. Uh, I, I've read articles lately where people have tried to go along with this and was genuinely confused. I wasn't, I mean, I was all alone, so I wasn't just doing this to kind of uh, make a point. I'm reading along and all of a sudden I get a they and I'm thinking, wait, and I'm going back to the top of the article. Is there another person that, that they're referring to here besides the subject of the, oh no, they want to be called they. So yeah, we got nuttiness over there. But we got equal nuttiness on the right. Now, when Mike Johnson um, helped get uh, government subsidies for this park that shows humans and dinosaurs together, I want to add a little nuance to that. First of all, uh, it was state subsidies, so it wasn't federal. That's, that's better. Um, there should be no subsidies. There should be no public education. But if you're going to have it, then at least the decision should be made at the most local level. Now, I object <laughs> every year to the bill for several thousand dollars I get for the local public school, which I don't use, and I don't even agree with what they're teaching there, okay? 
and I'm out in rural Niagara County. This is Trumpville, so believe me, it's it's uh, it's it's not like it's um, probably a progressive school. Although all the teachers, even inside this Trump mania county, um, would uh, probably be progressives and probably at least um, subscribe to some of the uh, the wacky beliefs that um, that public school teachers are supposed to believe. Um, but in any case, uh, Johnson got state subsidies. I mean, I here's where I am. I If there's going to be public schools, then I believe that the local school board should decide uh, what's taught in that school. And if there's going to be any subsidies, or if they're going to teach that dinosaurs lived with humans, they should be able to do that. That's certainly no nuttier than what they're teaching kids uh, in progressive-dominated schools. Um, I don't want a dollar of my money going them to teach them anything, including reading, writing, and arithmetic. I want, I want everybody to buy their own education, which would be cheaper, by the way, um, with competition and, uh, and no Soviet-style um, uh, beyond the, the uh, price discovery uh, public institution. You know, we would have cheap, cheaper education and better education if there were no public schools. But if you're going to have them, then I think that the local people should decide what's taught there, including batshit crazy stuff like dinosaurs live with humans or that drag queens can um, make the world a, a better place. So, um, so that's that. I just wanted to say that about Johnson's advocacy for this. I guess he wasn't a legislator at the time. He was an attorney and he helped win like a court case to, to get this thing funded. Uh, and of course, you know, the left opposed this, not because it does happen to be nutty in this case, but because they hate all religion because, you know, um, uh, Karl Marx. <laughs> and which brings me to another subject, uh, you know, the, the, on the right, um, what you won't hear anyone objecting to in school during this whole culture war is um, is anti-capitalism. You never hear the, the right saying, oh my gosh, you know, uh, they're, they're teaching these kids about robber barons. Or you'll hear libertarians say this, you won't hear the right. And libertarians are not on the right. Some of them think they are. But the, truly, it is a... It, a, a conflicting view of the world, one that actually was the primary conflict in, in the 19th century in America was between what we would now call libertarians and conservatives. There, there were no lefties back then. But uh, I, I think that the, the right is equally anti-capitalist. They certainly have the same zero-sum thinking about economics, where there's always a winner and loser. Listen to Trump's rhetoric. On trade deals, we never win anymore. Like he thinks that there's a winner and a loser in a trade deal, um, where you know, obviously, free market proponents believe that trade always occurs to mutual benefit. Now I know, yes, they put up tariffs and we took ours down as is the argument, but of course, our response to that is, yeah, but even if they don't take down their tariffs, we're better off without ours. Because taxing yourself is only hurting yourself. So I guess I've strayed a little far from the 
the general subject, but I think I, I have it in the in the fact that there's very few few people in this country that share our worldview. I guess that's where I'm going, and we've got crazy people. It, it, the, the point I wanted to make too about the communists is I've often wondered, and I don't think I've ever written this or or said it publicly, that if Karl Marx had not put that that part in about religion being the opiate of the masses, um, I wonder if, if you know the right would have a problem with communism the way they do. I believe that's the objection. They have they really the economic part, well, you know, it's complicated. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't agree, obviously, with, with all of uh, Karl Marx's economic assertions, but in principle, the idea that we have to be protected from capitalism, they share with the left. And that's evident when you look at who they vote for and, and who they got the most excited about. Well, you know, they, they've been voting for Republicans for all these years, but kind of, oh, yeah, you know, we, we vote for them. They get in there. They never do what they say. And I guess maybe some of us uh, hoped what they thought was they never really give us a, a free market. But that, that, wasn't, that wasn't it. When Trump came along and said, you know, we're going to go mercantilist, they went bananas. And really, that and immigration were what they were most attracted to his message about. You know, I've often thought that for all his faults, and there are many uh, for Donald Trump, that I think he's sincere about not wanting to kill people. He's, he's, he's been saying it uh, for a long time, and, and when you catch him uh, even off the cuff, um, you know, he does seem sincere about that. And I've always wondered, you know, he was pitching uh, close the borders and pitching mercantilist economics. And then he also had this, you know, we got to stop, you know, killing so many people and starting so many wars. And, you know, people went along with it. And of course, there was always the, the qualifier, we're against forever wars. Okay, we're not against wars, just forever wars. But I think Trump really was a, a somewhat anti-war. Um, I mean, not as much as Ron Paul or, or as much as I would like. But I think he was different in that way. And I've always wondered if his base just went along with it because they supported him. And uh, I think we're going to probably find out now. Let's see how much opposition there is to interventions. There won't be. I mean, again, the Israel thing. It's just everybody's got Tourette's all of a sudden. And it's, and it's uh, like a trained response. Pavlov's dog. Oh, my God. If, if we don't support Israel, Jesus isn't coming back. And um, so we, we, won't, we won't see that. Let's see if, um, if uh, opposition to, to other wars or, or, or this one developing into a wider war continues without Trump around. And I, you know now he's probably off the reservation. I did hear at least one comment where, you know, th this is what Trump would, will always do. Well, if I was in there, I'd give him even more. I'd do even more. You know, he says things like that, um, but I think in all fairness, while he was president, there was relative peace, and he was working on some solutions in the Middle East. I'm going to, I've reached out to Colonel Douglas McGregor's uh, scheduler, and I'm going to try to get him on, and I want to really get his analysis, not, I want to get his analysis of this Israel conflict and what's going on in Ukraine 
But I also want to find out what does he think about October 6th and before Israel and how things were going with other countries in the Middle East. I find that that whole situation muddy. We were constantly told they're surrounded by enemies, yet we're also told that Egypt tried to warn them about the Hamas attack. And I know Trump was working on some accords and, and actually got some things signed with Middle Eastern countries. So I'm hoping to get uh, Colonel McGregor's take on that. He's always good to provide some clarity, separate the, the nonsense and propaganda from uh, you know, the facts as well as he knows them. And he's in a much better position, given his connections, uh, than we are on some of these matters. So I'll see if I can get him for next week. Uh, if not, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about um, what's going on there. And hopefully we'll, we'll all still be here <laughs> by next week. I think we will. A couple of announcements. If you just can't take it anymore as far as politics, and boy, do I know how you feel there. Uh, I've got something else for you that I just started, something I've been thinking about for several years, actually, but finally got off my duff. Uh, and it's called Tom Mullen Talks Movies. So I'm going to be taking some of my own favorite movies. Um, I launched the podcast last week, and since it was Halloween, uh, the first episode was on Bride of Frankenstein. I think you'll find uh, the uh, analysis interesting. Um, that movie is packed with quite a lot of symbolism, illusion, and uh, I think you'll find there, there's quite a bit there as compared to uh, what most people expect out of the average horror movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, period, and certainly my favorite horror movie, and, and I don't think that there's another one like it. So check out episode one. I'm going to be doing Joe versus the Volcano for episode two, which is another one. I took eight pages of notes on this seemingly uh, simple romantic comedy from 1990 with uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, um, boys, is there a lot there? And uh, you'll have to tune in to find out um, what I found out uh, going through the movie. So another one of my all-time favorites. So again, you'll find those at TomMullenTalksMovies.com. Check that out. Uh, the season is, is approaching, so I'm going to remind you that you can still download a free copy of my uh, ebook. An Anti-State Christmas at antistatechristmas.com and also uh, uh, another copy of my free ebook It's the Fed Stupid at itsthefedstupid.com. So uh, I've got some links in the show notes here. Until next week, thanks everybody for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.